come on, man, don't. Euron's the only one there. This is too convenient. Oh, fuck me, man. God, I. Why? Welcome back to Shad on TV, Game of Thrones edition, the unofficial podcast companion piece of the juggernaut HBO series, Game of Thrones. I'm one of your hosts, Gene Lyons, and alongside me is my co-host, Big D, Dick Ebert. Good evening. And this is our Instacast episode, where we share our quick takes on this week's episode of Game of Thrones. This week's episode was season eight, episode five, titled The Bells. Big D, what'd you think? My first thought, honestly, was uh, I did not want to record tonight. Uh, I'm going to have a hard time coming to grips with what I think I just watched. And I know that everyone who listens is listening because they are huge Game of Thrones fans. But we have always promised, to be honest to ourselves, to the audience, uh, and I know you're listening to this podcast now because you're all pumped up. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, Game of Thrones. And we love it just as much as you do, but I'm a little bit concerned with what I saw. See, I'm on a completely different page. I thought we were going to get Winterfell Part 2 here at King's Landing. I thought there's going to be somebody trying to go in through a tunnel, and we're going to have to deal with the Golden Company, and then there's going to be some sort of a trick shot where the dragon's got to slip through something, and we're going to think that Drogon's in trouble, but then he breaks out, and everything's okay, and you know maybe he gets hit at the last second, like twists and turns and all that stuff, and that is not what we got. You know, We've talked before about the show giving us things that we didn't know we wanted, and this surprised me because I think it was supposed to disturb people and maybe something's wrong with me, (laughs) but this was the sort of merciless burning catharsis I was craving and didn't realize. I didn't know that much like Daenerys, I wanted to see it all burn and I got it for about an hour. Gene and I dedicate at least 20 to 30 hours a week on this podcast on Game of Thrones. So please don't question whether or not we're fans of the show. But tonight was probably the most disappointed I've been in a while. And that might change upon second take. I may have found myself looking for something different than I got. But first time through, I was just like, oh, I just little moments that I'd been looking forward to for all these years. Cersei's death. Who's going to give it to her? How is she going to get it to die in a cave in? And yes, Jamie's you know, arms or hands around her neck in a loving embrace. That was not what I think anybody wanted. But I think we did get lots of other things that we we did want. There was a moment where Daenerys was sitting on Drogon, perched on the wall, and there was this tension. You had the Northern Army and the Unsullied standing off against the Lannisters. You had Tyrion looking to the bell. Daenerys was kind of surveying around King's Landing. Cersei's watching from the Red Keep. And there's just this tension. And I'm like, Tyrion, don't you dare ring that bell, make all the good guys put their weapons down, and then something horrible happens and Cersei ends up winning. And there's a moment where you can see Daenerys is struggling with that decision. And then I got to thinking about all the Lannisters have done, all they would continue doing. And Daenerys said in that war room before any of this happened, she was very clear. She's like, I'm going to tear them out root and stem. And Tyrion kept saying, When they ring the bells and they open the gates, call your men off, call your men off. And I'm like, where would that bring us? That would bring us right to where we were outside of King's Landing when Masunde was executed. You cannot talk with Cersei. She doesn't understand 
anything but force, and she got it by the bucket. Yeah, she definitely did. Uh, but I think my my major issue was the continuation of the gripe that a lot of people had is the, the just the speed in which we get to things. Daenerys last week started having some hints of the Mad Queen, and you know I was well documented that I went into it in the deep dive or also the small council, and people were like, "Oh, why? Why do you see that?" She went full ass Mad Queen real quick. You know the episode starts; she hasn't been eating for a couple days, and she is now gaunt. They went. They went heavy on the makeup, so she had the bags. She's she just looks different. It went a complete 180 degree turn. If you thought they went quick change last week, this week was even more abrupt. If you want us to see her as a terror, if you want to see Daenerys as something this world has not seen in centuries, or at least in, in a generation. You got it, right? So people thought that Ares II was bad. She's a condom with pain. I hate to break it down to something as silly as if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. But she's breaking all the eggs. And I think that it's necessary for the type of change that she wants to bring about. And yes, people will die. But it's as Daenerys says, that she will wipe the scourge off the face of Westeros and start anew. No, and I, I want to be clear. I think she did the right strategic move. She should have done it probably earlier. Do not hold back. Holding back has only weakened her force and gotten her to a point where she could actually potentially lose. So I was all for her going in there, dragons ablazing. But was there some kind of like leveling up, like in a video game in between episodes that we didn't see? Because all of a sudden, you know, Drogon is, I mean, he's shooting double the fire, it looks like. Daenerys now can fly straight at the fleet again. This is the dumbest tactic. It didn't work last time, but somehow now all of a sudden she can dodge and weave. It's like Top Gun. You know, the, the scorpion bolts are going left and right over her. She's swerving. She's now taking out every ship in one fell, just one sortie. Was that all she needed? Was either Miss Sandy to die, John to dump her to all of a sudden she becomes this badass pilot? Well, I think that this bloody resolution made all the fast forwarding worthwhile, that we needed to see this explosion of rage and emotion and exhaustion and just fire. It was very metal. I loved it. But I thought about that powering up, as you mentioned, of Drogon. And the explanation that I came up with for myself was the times that we've seen dragons taken out. We had one, which was by the Night King, uh, when he took out uh, Viserion. And in that case, they didn't realize that the dragons were that vulnerable, nor was the Night King your normal opponent, right? He's something supernatural. Uh, then you saw Rhaegal taken out, and Rhaegal was taken out uh, by surprise, right? They didn't know that they were in combat. Should have known, but didn't know. In this case, Daenerys goes into it knowing what's happening. So you've got Drogon, who is her biggest and baddest dragon. She's piloting, and they know that combat is afoot, and they're reacting accordingly. So for me, it, it worked. And I really enjoyed seeing it. But yeah, there was that point where the Golden Company got wiped out. And it was like, okay, now the fire is explosive. It's taken out walls. We're seeing a very different kind of dragon here. And then she started doing like a grid. She was just taking out the city block by block. She's probably, you know, spoke to the zoning committee and decided where she wanted to put in the new mall and everything. So she's just, you know, dozing it. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, oh, come on. All of a sudden, the scorpions are ineffective. You know, they, they're so inept. They have now double the scorpions. They can't hit her. Then a second later, I'm like, fuck yeah. Woo! Start breaking them walls. And she's shooting all the wall tops. Anytime you would see a gunner, like aiming the scorpion immediately, it was like, ah, 
lot. Like Wilhelm scream, they burst into flames. As much as I had a problem with it, this part, I just, I also truly loved. I love that Kyber didn't put a single one on the red keep. <laughs> nothing. Why would you need defenses for where your queen is? No problem. Nothing, nothing. And you mentioned the Golden Company. Everybody was coming up with theories like, oh, are they going to turn me? Are they really secret Targaryen loyalists? Uh-uh, they're useless. They lasted about, what, 20 seconds in the field of battle? Yeah, as satisfying as it was to watch King's Landing burn, I just love seeing all the theories go up in flames. I was like, is it Kyburn's baby? No. Is Kyburn <laughs> going to do something? No, he's going to get thrown into some rocks and die. Uh, is Arya going to like steal Jamie's face to kill Cersei? Nah, some rocks are going to fall on her. Like, is the Golden Company going to turn the tide? No, they fucking scatter and die within seconds. This was what I wanted, a massive reality check, despite... I will see if I had any gripes about it. They had some very convenient storylines that put our favorite adversaries in duels with one another. Like people wanted to see Euron versus Jamie or Clegane Bowl. And I thought that was really odd uh, in, in the fog of war with all that's going on. That it basically seems like the rule now on Game of Thrones is major characters can only be killed by other major characters who are sort of their parallels. And Daenerys's decision when she's sitting on the wall, you'd mentioned it earlier. It subverted my expectation. I was uh, almost 100% sure. I said, okay, she's calming down. She's catching her breath. The bells are going off. Now, you know, she's going to go, she's going to go peacefully. Okay, we have some time in this episode. She, oh, she's off and she's flying. And she starts just burning civilians, kids, horses, everybody. She probably burned half the Dothraki. She probably burned Unsullied. She burned Northern. She didn't, she didn't have any hesitation to use it. And it was just, uh, I was not expecting it. So that was a nice surprise. I think this was a realistic thing that she should have done. It made Bran's visions come true, whether it was the shadow of Drogon flying over King's Landing or the red keep in the throne room with the hole in the wall and the ash falling. It tied all those pieces together, but it was done a little bit faster than I expected. What's interesting to see now is how different characters will react to all this, right? Now, you saw that Jon Snow was trying to stop the violence in the streets. You saw that Arya was horrified by all this. And I think that it'll intensify that struggle uh, between the characters who are or were on Team Daenerys, whether they continue supporting her, right? Because on in one hand, she's doing what it takes to take the throne. On the other hand, do you want to serve a queen like this? And it'll be interesting to see because John definitely was not expecting this from her. And I think Arya, who is an assassin by all means and familiar with death, I think if anything, she has Daenerys marked as her next target. They were trying to hit me right in the heart. They were trying to make me feel something where in the past, major deaths or uh, you know serious conflicts it just elicited a response from me whether it was tension love sadness here it was really forced i could feel it and whether it was the hound and mountain click game bowl when it came to fruition something we've been talking about and wishing for it almost felt anticlimactic i didn't feel anything the music is swelling it's tense they're fighting on a collapsing stairway with the sky in the background and the dragons flying by. All of a sudden, I questioned this, if this episode was done by Michael Bay because there was a lot going on. It was almost overwhelming, and I felt nothing for the characters involved. I think a part of that is our own fault as an audience because we've decided the things that we want to get from the show. 
And when the show doesn't give us those things, we're horrified or appalled. And when it does give those things, we expect it. So we knew when the Hound was going to King's Landing, this was going to happen, right? Like there, there was no question about it. This is what he's going down there for. Um, and so in that case, it's like, you know, this fight's going to come. So now the writers and the showrunners are charged with making this fight interesting. And the only way you can make a fight, you know, is coming interesting is to resort to those under siege, you know, enter the dragon sort of tactics. That's like, how else do you make this an interesting fight? So if I had told you in the beginning of the season, we'll have the hound facing the mountain shirtless on the stairs fighting hand to hand would you have thought i was full of shit or crazy no i would have thought that absolutely makes sense because i've said since really halfway through this season uh, at least on twitter and in exchange with people on the website and on youtube that we're seeing a very different show here the genre has shifted just like they shifted through genres in the long night this season is shifting genres and right now we are out of the a realistically rooted fantasy realm and definitely into an action movie. Uh, I do think that episode six will have a drastically different tone. And I'm hoping that we do get some of that emotional reconciliation. Cause I agree with you. I felt satisfaction and excitement and tension and apprehension, but I didn't feel mourning for any characters. I love the hound. He's a great character. I should feel something when he dies. And I just, I, I wasn't there. And you mentioned earlier that you felt that only major characters can kill major characters, and somehow only major characters run into major characters. Jamie is now going to go the back way to sneak up to the Red Keep to get to Cersei, and guess what? The only Ironborn who survived Daenerys torching the entire fleet was Euron. So then they're going to go have this one-on-one battle where in the past, whether it was even Ramsay and Jon, after they they broke down the wall of Winterfell and they were going to have it out, I felt something. This, I was like, come on, man, don't, Euron's the only one there. This is too convenient. Oh, fuck me, man. God, why? Early in the episode, we did get some of that classic Game of Thrones before it shifted into into combat. And I really love that scene in the throne room uh, between Tyrion and Daenerys The way she appeared on the throne was beautiful. I think that it was wonderfully lit. The contrast between his stature and where she was seated and this rich and revealing dialogue. I was like, yes, we're back at home. This is what I love about the show. And there was a marked shift in tone when Daenerys got sick of the plotting and the secrets and the lies. She's not even discussing it with anyone anymore. And that is the key thing to think about. Every other person we've had has had advisors. Things were thought out. King Robert had his small council. Uh, Daenerys had her advisors for a long time. Stannis uh, had Melisandre and even depended on Sir Davos. And so all these leaders have had councils uh, in the north. You know, they had all the bannermen gathering. And and here we see that this is Cersei and Daenerys, and they have disregarded everyone around them. I like that it was such a satisfactory and decided victory. And I do like that it set us up with something very interesting in episode six. I don't think until probably episode four, we anticipated that the question at the end of the season would be, is Daenerys fit to rule and what will happen to her? Uh, And I anticipate that the fan base, one of the biggest issues they're going to have with this episode, the betrayal of Arya's, you know, her entire character development, her arc, she's become a badass. She just killed the Night King. She is stoic. She is focused. She's unflappable. Even fighting a couple hundred thousand dead whites, she hit her head on the wall. She was still focused. She was motivated. And here, all it takes to undo that 
is the hound to look at her and say, do you want to be like me? This will end up killing you. Let it go. She hugs him and says, Sandor, thank you. All of a sudden, all of her training, all that she's been through, is it undone? Is she now back to that scared girl? I'm not sure, but I was just grateful that she didn't jump in at the last second in the fight between the two Cleganes and land the killing blow. I totally thought that was going to happen. You know, you know how that happens in the movies. Go away. This is my fight. You go live your life. If you come with me, you'll die. And then the person always shows up at the last second. It was kind of poetic that in the end, Sandor Clegane ended up uh, dying with his brother in flames uh, the way it should be. And I did like that that Arya inadvertently ended up getting some innocent people killed. She bursts into the room and there's like some women and children hiding. If you want to survive, come with me. Less than 30 seconds later, the mother and child is dead, roasted. Arya is continuing to devolve as a character. If this undoing of the assassin Arya continues, is it out of the realm of possibility that next episode we could see Arya go back to Gendry and decide to become the Lady of Storm's End? It, it probably won't happen, but I think that this episode was trying to pound into our heads that Arya is finding the reason within herself uh, to take out this this new threat. It, it was written all over her face. You know, the lingering thought that's left in my head after seeing all this is who is Daenerys Stormborn? Is she justified in her behavior? I mean, obviously killing innocent people indiscriminately and destroying an entire city is not necessarily a good thing. But we see a key moment between Jon Snow and Daenerys and where she wants to be intimate with him, or maybe it's a test and and he does not pass. And so she says, so it'll be fear. Uh, he keeps saying that he loves her, that she's his queen, and, and she wants to cement that fact. Up until this point, I think we've all assumed that John's flinching behavior toward her and his unwillingness to be intimate with her is a result of their lineage, of their relationship, that she is his aunt. And I think now we realize that there's a compounding factor, which is how do you make love to a woman who just burned a man alive right in front of you? It's it's not much of an aphrodisiac. No, and I think John's look to her was less about killing Varys because everyone involved acknowledged it was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, he had betrayed her. He had betrayed everyone. Uh, he just didn't like the way that it went down. Did you need to have that that close burning right in front of everyone that they then smash cut to that scene with the fire log? You see Varys' corpse on fire. It smash cuts to the log in the fireplace. And then John and Daenerys having this conversation. Everyone who's involved with Daenerys right now should watch their back. Tyrion was just warned. Hey, fail me again. And it's the last time you'll fail me. Then Tyrion decides to go tell the unsullied guards, hey, hey, beat it. And he lets his brother go. I understand his motivations, but it's completely reasonable to think that next episode, Daenerys just starts cleaning up the mess. Uh, Tyrion, yep, you let your brother in. That's a betrayal. Boom, you're dead. Uh, next, and going down the line. If you're involved with Daenerys on any level in leadership, if you don't perform, expect to be set on fire. Another thing to consider is the way John says that Daenerys is his queen. It's almost starting to seem to me like a deflection of his duty. It's not, she's my queen because I believe in her. It's she's my queen because that's my shield against having to take responsibility for what I am. He is a rightful heir to the throne and is not accepting that responsibility. 
so he's saying two things right out in the open. One is I don't want it. And two, she is my queen. And those two things are the same thing. She's his queen because he doesn't want it. And I think that's that's very interesting because at this point, the question will become for episode six is if Daenerys is to be removed or if she's brought to her senses or however it works out, it's going to probably involve John having to step up and we'll see how that goes. I want to clarify that statement by saying, I don't think necessarily that Daenerys is unfit to rule. I want to see what she has to say after all this. What was she thinking? What was she feeling? And how will she react to those people on her side? Yeah, I hope that the second viewing, I have a different take. It's hard when you get to the end of a series that you've dedicated so much time watching, and we've dedicated time to podcast, that you do have some internal expectations that maybe I'm not even aware of. So upon second viewing, I might be able to see what you saw and kind of put that in place. But right now, don't write a negative review. Don't give us hate mail if, you, if you're not happy with that. Stay with us because at least we're being honest. I'm sure there's some people out there who agree with me. I might feel the same way tomorrow, but uh, you know, how many more Sundays do we have to look forward to, to sit down, know there's going to be an episode, hit play, hear the music swell and give us the... Uh, the intro that we've always loved, that next week's it. So I intend not to go out on a negative beat, no matter how uh, disappointed I might be. I'm not going to let it sour my experience for the last eight years of the podcast because I've still loved it. I just hope they can end it in a way that I feel emotionally and logically the closure is complete. So I know that you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on this. I'm very curious to see what the audience thinks. I, I haven't looked at Twitter. I haven't gone online at all. And I just assume that everyone's going to walk away from this going, man, this is the payoff <laughs> for season eight. And and I think you see it very differently. So, I'm, uh, so people, please write in, uh, host at shadowntv.com. I'd love to hear what everyone thinks of it. Obviously, I'm going to be jumping on Twitter later tonight after this edit is done. I think a lot of memes are going to come out of this. It'll be awesome. I'm also really glad that Tormund and Ghost didn't go south. You do not want to have fur around Dragonfire at all. Please write in a host of ShadowTV.com. We're going to get to work on the deep dive here. So if you have topics you'd like to uh, see us jump into, uh, go ahead and write those to us. And we will do our best uh, to address those either in the deep dive or the small council on Friday. And that concludes this week's episode of Shad on TV, Game of Thrones edition. Be sure to follow us on social media and share with a friend. We're on Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, at Shad on TV. On Facebook, just search for Shad on TV Podcast. Again, the website is ShadonTV.com, and you can email us at host at ShadonTV.com. If you have a voicemail, you can reach us at 914-719-SHAT, and wherever where fine podcasts can be found, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe, and if you stop by iTunes, please leave a review. That helps the podcast grow. Also, if you'd like to hear us in between episodes and after Game of Thrones, please subscribe to Shat the Movies at ShatTheMovies.com. That's where we cover 80s and 90s movies. On behalf of my co-hosts, Big D, Dick Ebert, and The King B, I'm Gene Lyons. Be sure to join us on Tuesday for our Game of Thrones deep dive. Thanks for listening, and go Team Targaryen.